to discuss this matter on how to deal with it now. The older brother, Qala Kabiruhum, the older brother said, You know, our father has taken a promise from us not to come back without him. I'm not coming. I'm staying here. And he says to he says to the rest of the brothers, You go back and tell our dad whatever has happened. And then if dad will ask me to come home, let me know and I will come home. And if he's too upset with us and he doesn't want me to come, I'm not coming there. These brothers went to Yaqub they told him he didn't trust. The reason he didn't trust and he was very right in that is number one because of what they had done to Yusuf before and number two because he knew Binyamin will not steal. So the thing that I've been saying about him are very obviously to be false and he knew that can be true. And now Yusuf alayhi, uh, Yaqub alayhi salatu wassalam went on a side He went away from his children and started crying to himself Ya asafa ala Yusuf How sad I am for Yusuf Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says وَبْيَضَّتْ عَيْنَاهُ مِنَ الْحُزْنِ His eyes turned white out of sorrow and grief is not because of crying, it's because of فَهُوَ كَظِيمٌ Kadim is a person who keeps everything in himself. He doesn't talk to anyone. Which means Yusuf Yaqub is not complaining to everyone, talking to everyone. So he keeps it in himself. So when you do that for a long time, it builds a lot of grief inside you. And this was the situation of Yaqub so the rest of the family, they said to him, You will keep on remembering Yusuf. Yusuf is gone. He is dead. You remember, you know, the wolf ate him up. This is what the brothers are up to until now. And they really think that he must be dead somewhere. So, Yusuf. You keep on remembering Yusuf. Until you will collapse or you will perish, you will destroy yourself, you're going to kill yourself, dead, stop, that's it. Yusuf is gone, you are not getting him back. It's been almost over 30 years, 35 years now. He says, I'm not talking to you. This is why I wasn't talking to you about this. I complain about my anguish and my sorrow only to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I know something from Allah that you don't know. And that is, Allah I have hope from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And with this great hope that I have in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is not going to let me down. When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't want to give you something, after some time, He even takes the desire of it away from you. You make dua for a long time, maybe. But then he will take the desire away. It's not you will lose hope, but you would not want it. You would not look for it no more. Yaqub knows that this love for you, for Yusuf in my heart and constant remembrance of Yusuf and still wanting to see him in this dunya means Allah someday is going to bring him back to me.
Now he says to his sons, Subhanallah, look at this iman. Ya bani yadhabu fatahassasu min Yusuf awakhi. Telling the same people who told him the story, the wolf ate him up. Oh my children, go and search for Yusuf and his brother. He's telling them, go and look for Yusuf. Where are we going to? You look for Yusuf now. But subhanallah, that's the iman. Go and look for Yusuf and his brother. Never lose hope in the mercy and the rahmah of Allah. It's supposed to be, and normally the situation is, a person who is in that situation, people try to console him and they try to try to comfort him and they try to talk to him, don't worry about it, everything is going to be okay. No, he's telling the children, he is the one who's suffering, but he's telling them, La Allah. He's not saying, I've been making dua for over 30 years and my Allah, I don't know why my dua is not accepted. No, my children, go look for Yusuf and his brother. After making dua for over 30 years, more than 35 years in fact, still go and look for Yusuf and his brother. Never lose hope in the rahmah of Allah. إِنَّهُ لَا يَيْأَسُ مِنْ رَوْحِ اللَّهِ إِلَّا الْقَوْمُ الْكَافِرُونَ only those lose hope in the Rahmah of Allah who have no iman, no belief. Now, they said, okay, first thing we know where our brother is. Before we find Yusuf, we don't know where we're going to look for Yusuf. That we will think about it later. But at least, you know, we can do something for our dad. And according to Mufassirin, Sayyidina Yaqub wrote a letter to Yusuf. To, he doesn't know that's his son. But he's writing the letter to the minister of Egypt who is in charge of this case. He's writing a letter to him that this is from Yaqub. We are the family of Nabuwa of prophets. My father was a prophet, grandfather was a prophet. And I'm also blessed to be a prophet of Allah. We do not steal. And therefore, I'm telling you that my son has not committed that crime. I ask you for the sake of Allah to release my son. I will make a dua for you that will benefit you in dunya and akhirah. And if you do not, then Allah is going to punish you in dunya and akhirah. This is how sure he was that his son didn't do it. Brothers, we came to you with some goods worth nothing to buy any merchandise. We don't even have, in simple words, at this time our family situation is we can't even afford to buy food. Subhanallah. Look at what Yaqub is going through. Ten children at home, grown up men, no work, and they don't have any source of income. And this is the difficulty they're going through. This is how Allah tests His people. Now we request you, please give us the full major, which means give us what you would give a one family of this size. And don't go according to the price that we are offering you, because we will not be able to survive with this food that we can buy with the money that we have. And then they say, وَتَصَدَّقْ عَلَيْنَا and be charitable to us. 
the same brothers who one day threw him in the well, now they are extending their hands to him, not knowing who he is, but please give us something, give us charity, give us something so we can survive on. Inna Allah yajzil mutasaddiqeen. Allah rewards those who give charity. Yusuf alayhi salam didn't want to hold it back no more. And he asked them, هَلْ عَلِمْتُمْ مَا فَعَلْتُمْ بِيُوسُفَ وَأَخِينَ Do you know what, do you people, what did you people do to Yusuf and his brother? They are looking at each other. How did he know what, we did, what did we do to Yusuf? Binyamin wasn't there either. So even Binyamin doesn't know. There is that possibility that maybe he told him while he's there. No, even Binyamin doesn't know this story. Do you know what you did to Yusuf and his brother? Is antum jahilun? When you are ignorant, which means you act very ignorantly. So they looked at each other, something is, we can't understand something here. And finally, they said to him, A'innaka la anta Yusuf? Are you Yusuf? He says, yes, ana Yusuf wa hada akhi, I'm Yusuf, this is my brother. Subhanallah, subhanallah. قَدْ اللَّهُ عَلَيْنَا Allah has been very kind to us. And now, look at the statement of Yusuf salam. This is the summary of the whole story of Yusuf salam. And that is, إِنَّهُ مَنْ يَتَّقِي وَيَصْبِرْ فَإِنَّ اللَّهَ لَا يُضِيعُ أَجْرَ الْمُحْسِنِينَ Whoever will have taqwa, whoever will live the life of taqwa, will have the taqwa of Allah, Number two, وَيَصْبِرْ And will have patience. فَإِنَّ اللَّهَ لَا يُضِيعُ أَجْرَ الْمُحْسِنِينَ Allah will not make the effort of the muhsineen, of the good people, of those who do good deeds to go waste. Yusuf والسلام, from beginning to the end, his whole story of 40 years is giving us a lesson of, he's telling us, sabr and taqwa. These are the two key words that we need to learn from this story. We have to have taqwa. Remember, a lot of people go through much more difficulty maybe than what Yaqub went through, than what Yusuf went through. Or similar difficulty, or maybe a little less difficulty. But difficulties are difficulty. The problem with them is that they are going through all of that without taqwa and without sabr. So they don't get anything for it. See? See now what we get through taqwa and sabr? That a person could go through the whole thing that Yusuf went through. But if it is without taqwa and without sabr, then there is no benefit. At the end, this person got nothing. He may achieve some higher status, some high levels of dunya and a lot of became wealthy at the end, but no, not, no benefit if it is without taqwa and sabr. Of course, we can't go into the details of these words. We are just taking quick lessons, but so that we understand taqwa and sabr. During the process, when the person is going through difficulties, a lot of avenues towards haram will open up for the person. You can do this, you can do this, you can do this. Brothers, 
that tried to hurt you. They are the one who threw you in the well. So if you want, you can go back. Now you are in that position where you can send some people to them. Now they are in a situation where they need you. Turn them back. Tell them I don't know you people. Tell them I'm not helping you people. Put them in prison, all of these brothers. Do something to them. See, a lot of avenues will open up for you. If a person does not have taqwa, he will say, okay, let me do this, let me do this, let me do this, regardless if it is halal and haram, because I'm going through a situation where I have to do this. And there is a fatwa also. And we always find that fatwa somewhere. Of anything haram, you make it halal at that situation. Because of my situation. People who say, no, I can't do it, they don't understand my situation. The good muftis are the ones who say, you can do whatever you want now. See? This is إِنَّهُ مَنْ يَتَّقِي وَيَصْبِرْ يَصْبِرْ during, during the process. How many times we keep on complaining? I don't know why. And the thought will come, I'm a believer, I'm a man, I pray five times, still I have to go, I have to go through this. See my other brothers, see my, uh, my, other, my cousins, my other relatives. There are so many people in the family, they don't practice deen, and they're far from deen, and they do all kind of haram, and still they are doing much better than me. Are they really doing better than you? For you to come to the masjid for one salah is better than everything else that they're getting over there. One salah is still too much. Just subhanallah is greater than all of what they have. Can we compare akhirah and the reward of Allah with anything of this dunya? There is no comparison. Can we compare the rida of Allah, the pleasure of Allah, with any of worldly material? This is what it is. Yasbir, have sabr. فَإِنَّ اللَّهَ لَا يُضِيعَ They said, we swear by Allah, Allah gave you an upper hand over us. Through your taqwa and sabr, Allah gave you the upper hand now. See, where you are sitting, where we are sitting. وَإِن كُنَّا لَخَاطِئِينَ Surely we were guilty. We made mistakes. قَالَ لَا تَثْرِيبَ عَلَيْكُمُ الْيَوْمِ Yusuf السلام, right there he says to them, no reproach, no blame on you today. You are not, I'm not going to blame you for anything you did. يَخْفِلُ اللَّهُ لَكُمْ May Allah forgive you. Subhanallah, big people have big hearts. Really, big people have big hearts. And when Allah wants to take big work from someone, gives him a big heart. And when a person is not chosen by Allah to do some good work, then his heart is too small. I'm not going to forgive anyone. I'm not going to forgive this person. I'm not going to forgive this one. I'm not going to forgive this one. I'm not forgiving no one. Ya Allah, please punish everyone and let them all be sank in the, in the earth and let some wind come from the from, from wind come and blow them away and let their houses be on fire. You just, this is what you want to see. That is a sign of having a small heart. Which means the person is not in a position of doing any real work of deen. This is what the bottom line is. When a person is just looking for that, this person and this person, and I'm not forgiving. That one there, I will never forget. Did he do anything to you more than what you have done towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? There is nothing, nothing, nothing there that we can do, that anyone can do to us worse than our disobedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And yet we expect Allah to forgive us. If we want Allah to forgive us, why can't we forgive people? And Allah is telling us, the way you, kill, the way you treat my servants, I will treat you. That way on the day of Qiyamah. So, 
And this is the same word that Prophet ﷺ used when he conquered Makkah Mukarramah. He's standing by the door of the Kaaba. And all the kuffar, all of them are sitting right there. Who are the people that were sitting there? These are the people who killed so many of his Sahaba. There are people right there sitting there who killed some of his close relatives. They tortured some of his close relatives to death. These are people who are sitting there. There are some of them, you can see the faces over there. These are the people I remember one day when I was in Sujood, you stepped on my back. I was walking, you came and you spit on my face. At least say sorry. You know, this is the least in our time. Oh, he should apologize. Everyone should apologize. He should write me a, write an apology. Either you forgive or you don't forgive. You know, we have to really, it's a point I have to explain. We need to understand, especially in today's days. I'm forgiving him, but he has to write an apology. You're not forgiving. Really, you are taking a revenge. Because you're demanding something for him to be forgiven. When you ask for that thing, he did it, that's it. You demanded your right back and he gave you whatever you asked for. And that's it. You got your right back. You go on the day of Qiyamah, you're going to say, Ya Allah, I want the full reward of forgiving. No, you don't have nothing. Remember. This demand of, no, he should apologize. This is a revenge. That's it. You got what you wanted. So, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sees all of those people sitting in front of him, in front of the camera. And he, just one word, Sahaba ready, Sahaba ready today. That take off this person, this person, this person. They are ready. But this is what he said. There is no blame on anyone today. We will not even speak about it no more. Subhanallah. May Allah forgive you. And this is what he said to them. Go, all of you are free today. Then Yusuf says to his brothers, Take my shirt. And this is the thing that has been repeating in the story we were talking about, I was asking about dreams and shirk. Shirk of Yusuf in the beginning brothers took it to the father with the blood. Later on the shirt of Yusuf got ripped, saved him from the blame. Now he's sending the shirt to his father. For what? His father was blind now. He said, put my shirt on my father's face. When you put the shirt on his face, he will get his eyesight back. And then all of you come back to me. Come and let's uh, settle over here. We will live over here now. This is how Israel and Bani Israel moved from Palestine to Egypt. Now all of Bani Israel is in Egypt. When they put the shirt on Yaqub face, just before that, as these people who, were, who had the shirt when they were leaving Egypt, as soon as they set out and they're leaving Egypt towards Palestine, Yaqub says to the family members that were in the house, I can smell the fragrance of Yusuf. I can smell the fragrance of Yusuf. There is some good news for sure. People sense it. This is when sometimes you sense something. Anyway, the one that took the shirt, they put it on Yaqub face, he got his eyesight back. Sometime when we hear certain and hear a point to remember that 
we read about some karama of one of the awliya Allah. That he did this, he did this. And we find sometimes people objecting. How could he do this? Prophet ﷺ couldn't do it. Is it necessary that any karama that has been performed throughout the time till the day of Qiyamah, it has to be something that Prophet ﷺ had done it, otherwise we will not consider it a karama? If someone will tell us that he walked from here to Medina, few steps in one minute he was in Medina. If we see that he's a pious man and whatever, and we can trust this person, nothing, he's not saying anything that goes against Sharia, against Quran and against Sunnah for us not to believe it. Of course, is nothing to do with our Iman and Aqeedah either, that, you know, if you believe him, then you have to accept him as something, no, whatever it is. But the point is, there is no reason for rejecting it. See, Yaqub alayhi salatu was salam, He's the father. He's a greater, for sure, he's a greater prophet of Allah than his son, than his son is, because that's the father and son. And he must be washing his face every day, isn't it? He puts his own hands on his eyes, he doesn't get the eyesight back, but he puts his son, his son's shirt on his eyes and he gets eyesight back. This is something that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can make it happen the way Allah wants. It's not our choice. So there is nothing wrong in accepting these type of karamat and ma'jizat that if that person couldn't do it, how come this person is able to do it? It doesn't have to be that way. We don't have to keep on comparing people with that. Allah chooses whoever. Anyway, now Yaqub alayhi salatu wasalam and with the rest of the family they moved to Egypt. Yusuf. The day came when the whole family now they are entering to Yusuf Ali's, into Yusuf Ali's house. And he gave a special place to his father and mother over there in his house. And all of them as they entered in that deen, it was allowed as we do salam and you hug the person out of love, seeing the person after a long time. This is what Yaqub and the rest of the family did. They bowed down to Yusuf When he saw all of them in sujood, father, mother, and 11 brothers, they all are in sujood. He said, Ya abati hadha ta'wilu ru'yaya min qabl. That today I see the meaning of my dream the way I saw it when I was a child. This is exactly what I saw when I, would, I told you about my dream. That is, we are talking about 35 years ago. And today he sees that dream coming true. Anyway, the ayat continue. Yaqub alayhi salatu wasalam, finally he passed away in Egypt. He stayed there, wallahu alam, for how many years? History say about 17 years. But anyway, then he passed away in Egypt. Before he passed away, he made some will. There's some that is mentioned in Quran. Specifically one, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Am kuntum Were you witness, were you there when Yaqub was on his deathbed? His final word, He said to his children, What are you going to worship after me? This is the worry of Anbiya alayhi salatu wasalam. For their children. 
This is the true worry of Anbiya for the children of What are you going to worship? Who are you going to worship after me? Their worry is not, you know, I have some money in that account and I have a business there and I have a home there and I have a land there. So make sure you divide it accordingly and properly and give your mother also and give that sister. And No, 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 no. This is the most important part of your will that you want to make sure that when we are on our deathbed, we can see our children doing the ibadah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And unfortunately, we are at a situation today where many people, and not few, it's a fact, many people who die as Muslims today, their own children are not able to do their own janazah. We say, no, no, we see people do their janazah. Yes, true. They pretend that they're doing the janazah. They're standing in the saf because the father is the mother, is the brother, is the sister. This is why they're standing in the saf. Is the husband, is the wife. They're standing in the saf, but they don't know what to recite in salat al-janazah. So they pretend they're doing janazah, but they're standing, standing over there in the saf doing nothing. Because we didn't even teach them how to do salat al-janazah. They don't even know the dua of janazah. What would you worship after me? The second will of Ya'qub this is not in the Quran, which is in the books of Tafasir, is that he made a will, bury me in Palestine. Don't bury me over here. And this is what they did when he passed away. Yusuf arranged for him, for his body to be taken to Palestine, and he got buried over there. And if you remember, I mentioned earlier that when we go to that area, it's not only Ya'qub alayhi salam. We have Ibrahim alayhi salatu salam, Ishaq alayhi salam, Ya'qub alayhi salam, and Yusuf alayhi salam. All four of them are buried over there. How did Yusuf alayhi salam end up there? Yusuf alayhi salatu salam, when he was dying, he made a will. This is in an authentic hadith. So that I'm telling you the references so we know what we are getting from where. This is in an authentic hadith. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa told us about it. Very, very amazing and interesting. When Bani Israel were leaving Egypt, see, we talked about Bani Israel coming into Egypt from Palestine. This is, first person came, Yusuf alayhi Then the brothers came to visit him or uh, to get some food. Later on, the whole family moved over here. Finally, a time came when the whole family moved out of Egypt. When was that? During the time of Musa والسلام, with Musa والسلام, when they left Egypt, inshallah we'll talk about it. So anyway, that's the time when they, Bani Israel left Egypt. This is Bani Israel, the, group, the family grew up and now there are hundreds of thousands of them. So they all are leaving Egypt at the time of Fir'aun with Sayyidina Musa When they were, Rasulullah says, when they were leaving Egypt, their path became very dark for them, they couldn't see nothing. Musa salam said, we must have done something wrong. And he gathered everyone right away. He said, does anyone know of something wrong we have done? I said, no, we don't remember anything. Are you people sure? Yes. Some of the learned people, older people from the community, they came forward and said, there may be one thing we remember. Yusuf salam made a will that our forefathers kept on passing his will to us generation after generation, and telling us that this is the will of Yusuf that any time you people as Bani Israel, when all of you together, you move out of Egypt, take my body with you. Don't leave me over here. Now, Rasulullah, uh, Sayyidina Musa asked, 
where is the khabar of Yusuf والسلام, they said no one knows except there is one old lady in our community she is the only person who is left in our community who knows the whereabout of Yusuf we know about the will but where is the khabar we don't know and we asked her many times she doesn't even tell us Musa said call her now we are in a very very dangerous situation we can't wait we don't have too much time we have to leave the country before morning we have to be out of the country so they called her I'm told that you know the whereabout of the Qabr of Yusuf and his will was to take him with us. Please tell us where it is. No, I'm not telling you. Come on, you can't do that. She says, I have a condition. Old lady, mashallah. I'm talking to you, I have a condition. Okay, tell me your condition. My condition is, if you guarantee me I will be in Jannah with you, I will tell you the whereabout, otherwise I'm not telling you. The hadith says, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa said, فَكَرِهَ مُوسَىٰ أَنْ يُعْطِيَهَا سُؤْلَهَا Musa salam thought what she's asking is too much. I'm not going to accept that. We have to squeeze her arm, we have to twist her arm, we have to do something, but you can't ask for this now. فَأَوْحَ اللَّهُ إِلَيْهِ أَنْ أَعْطِهَا سُؤْلَهَا Right there he received a wahi from Allah. If she know the whereabout of a prophet of Allah, and she kept that knowledge for herself, then, O Musa, fulfill her condition. Musa said, okay, I'll, you get what you want. You are guaranteed a place in Jannah with me. Tell me where it is. So she told them about the whereabout. They went, they dug the grave, and they took the body of Yusuf with them, and they buried him in Palestine. Now, Rasulullah when he narrated this hadith, basically the background of this hadith was, once Rasulullah was traveling, he stopped in a, by a tent. And that person in the tent, he accepted Islam, and he really felt honored and he gave Rasulullah Sallallahu brought food, he slaughtered the goat and he brought the food for them and everything. The Prophet Sallallahu said to them, whenever you come to Medina, come visit me. He wants to pay him back for all the good that he's doing for them. So, this person, later on he came to Medina. Prophet Sallallahu saw him entering the door of the masjid and he's sitting with Sahaba, he recognized him right there. So he walked to Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and says, you know me? He said, yes, yes, I know you. I told you to come to me. You are the same person. We came to your tent over there in that village. He said, yes, yes. He said, come sit. All the sahaba are looking. Who is this man? Prophet ﷺ is respecting him, giving him so much respect and making, getting him to sit next to him, moving all the sahaba away. Come, come sit here over here. Tell me, what is it that I can do for you? So he says, give me one camel and one goat. At that time, Rasulullah looking at Sahaba, he said, learn a lesson. At least try to be like the old lady of Bani Israel, that the goal of her life was not dunya, it was akhirah. This man asked for a camel and a goat, I will give him a camel and a goat. But how long is he, gonna, is he going to keep that camel and a goat? That old lady, she could have asked for a camel and a goat, but she asked to have a place next to the Musa alayhi salatu wasalam in Jannah. Rasulullah sallallahu said to Sahaba Ridwan a lesson for everyone, set your goals that high, that you want a place in the neighborhood of Anbiya alayhi salatu wasalam in Jannah. Forget about where is your house, in which neighborhood of your house is in, in this dunya. Mainly is to have that house in the neighborhood of Anbiya. 
Anbiya May Allah grant all of us the house over there in the neighborhood of Anbiya and give us tawfiq to do the type of a'mal that will get us into that neighborhood and in that area and with Anbiya Alayhi Wa Sallam.